But I think really the biggest thing for me was when I learned that the online space is growing so quickly and there's not going to be just one strategist that's going to serve all of these now online entrepreneurs. The internet has made it easier than ever to start a business. Succeeding on the internet, now that's another story. The big question is, what are those who are succeeding doing differently? This podcast has the answers. Hi, my name is Lisanne Murphy. I've spent the last three years running a successful advertising agency. I noticed with certain clients, I ran into the same problem over and over again. Their offering was just not grabbing the prospect's heart and wrestling them into purchasing submission. Why? Many of these business owners were so far down the road in their journey and so in love with their product, they forgot who they were serving, missing some essential steps along the way. So I'm pivoting focus. Join me as I go behind the scenes with the most brilliant entrepreneur minds to demystify the nitty gritty marketing hacks needed to be successful before spending thousands on advertising that ultimately separate the internet legends from the dreamers. On the previous episode, you got to hear from me. I shared part three of my six part series on dream traffic. Dream traffic is the process to find your ideal customers and craft your messaging and business strategies around bringing the right people into your business. Go check out the episode to learn about what I call behavioral graphics. Understanding this graphic is what separates understanding this graphic is what separates the semi and super successful. But while I've got you, stick around. I've got Amanda Osceoli on again with us. This is her deep dive episode. We are so excited to have her dive into her story of entrepreneurship and share how she helps her clients organize, strategize, and crush their goals. Ready to be blown away? Here we go. All right, so welcome everyone. I'm here with the great Amanda. Super excited to be here with, with her today. Um, I wanted to give her a brief introduction and then dive into her awesome story. So Amanda is a recovering corporate woman who I, first of all, just totally identify with that. I call myself a recorder, a recovering corporate alcoholic as well. Um, she's found her joy and happiness in working with other female entrepreneurs. Building a business and conquering every system and process is a continuous journey, but having a strong foundation in place is vital to success. Amanda graduated from the University of San Diego and is now married with two children who I have heard their beautiful voices already in the background. So excited to, to see a picture of them at some point. And she lives in Tampa, Florida with them. She enjoys being outdoors, reading a good book and traveling. So Amanda, thanks so much for joining me today on the podcast. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Lizanne, for having me. Excited to be here. Awesome. So first of all, what book are you reading right now? I'm reading two. I'm reading the new um, Copywriting Secrets, um, part of the like Russell Brunson world. It's not his book, but uh, he wrote the forward of the book. Um, so really good. And then a little bit still growth, um, but a little bit on the more personal side, it's uh, Resisting Happiness. So it's a bit about faith, but also just about uh, kind of structuring your day, um, but more on like a personal side, not so businessy. So yeah, that's, that's awesome. So we've yeah. got personal productivity, a little bit of marketing. And, yeah, and I usually try to balance it with like a Nicholas Sparks romance novel, but um, <laughs> I haven't picked up a new one of those lately. 
That's fantastic. All right. Well, thanks again so much for being here. Um, why don't you give us a little bit of a background to where you came from, how you became known as the recovering corporate lady and Absolutely. how you became passionate about serving female entrepreneurs? Yeah. Um, so like you mentioned, I was out in school in San Diego, um, graduated a semester early because I had started in an internship basically working in the finance industry. And so that was pretty much where my career went, right? You kind of like land that first job and it either turns into everything that you do or you go the complete opposite because it was something you totally hated. Um, for me, I ended up really loving working in finance. So that was my career for the past 10 years. Um, everything from when I first started out, it was pretty much just an admin to really diving into operations. Um, I did a lot, little bit of training um, with new hires and then finally ended in financial sales. And so with just over the years of that experience, it really allowed me to see the full gamut of, of all different aspects of running a business, right? From basic things like how to onboard new hires, how to get them trained and, and up and running to you know, following your lead generation, what system do you have to running a calendar and running meetings and just all the things that truly go into being an entrepreneur um, was really, I mean, it was, it was all those years in the corporate grind that did bring me to where I am today. So, and I, I can only be thankful for my corporate career, but it was a grind for sure. Um, and the biggest turning point was when I moved to Tampa. Um, I love Tampa, but there's a lot of people that also love Tampa. So I had an hour commute on either side of my day, um, throwing kids into the mix and it just makes for not very much fun life left. Um, so that was, that was really the, the you know, a, a big point of when I knew I was ready for something else. So tell me about that transition process, because I mean, the, it's, it's not normal to become an entrepreneur because of a commute or a family, like while it, while yeah. it is is an option. It's, it's not often the default for people. So were you introduced to the world by somebody or like, how did that, how did that happen? Yeah. Great question. Um, I mean, I think it was a little bit there just as I continued to climb the ladder, so to say in the corporate world, I kept always asking for money. I'm a pretty direct, it, communicator. I'm going to ask for what I feel like I want or need or deserve. Um, little pieces like that just continue to show me that I'm a little bit different or I have a drive that others don't have. Um, I've always been numbers driven, results driven. So again, just I think another bit of that entrepreneurial spirit started to show. And then um, really it was, you know, as I continued to grow just financially in my career, but also just status, I, I didn't feel as fulfilled as I thought I would. So, you know, the story, like the picture that I like to always paint in people's minds is I had my own office with a glass door. I was making six figures and I could ask myself, is this it? So that, you know, and that was like, it, it was more than just money and, and helping people plan for their financial future, which is a great thing in the world, right? Everyone needs a financial planner or someone that has that expertise in investments in financial planning. However, because of my drive, because of some of the things that make me unique, I just felt like I could serve the world in a bigger, stronger, better place than what I was doing currently. And then it was the commute that really started to grind on my actual soul where it's like, okay, 
right? Now this is like, I already feel unfulfilled and this is really grinding on my life. Like what could I possibly be doing different, you know, to, to make something else better? So for a while I, I looked around at, you know, remote jobs, can I work from home? And, you know, it was just coming up short. So um, eventually landed in a few, I would say just online networking groups and, you know, got to where I, I am now, but I mean, that's the short story, right? <laughs> Yeah. So, t- so tell us a little bit about what exactly you are doing and how you took your experience in corporate to create what, what it is that you're doing. Absolutely. Um, the best thing that I love about explaining my role as an entrepreneur is that my role has changed over time and largely in part because I listen to the people around me and what either they're asking for or what they're needing. So I'll give you some backstories. When I first started to step into the entrepreneurial space, I had taken an online course. I feel like many of us have, and it was an online course to teach me how to become, you know, my own freelancing self. So I started out basically looking for clients that needed help in their business in some sort of an operational way. I very quickly learned that I had an edge in also the strategy and not just these done for you services. So sure, when I initially started out, I was really that operational, but yet done for you. So maybe I'm, you know, managing their CRM on a daily basis, or I was managing their calendar and email on a daily basis. Very quickly learned that obviously as a six figure corporate career, like I was more than just that. And so that was when I started to pull from some of the clients, like what was really working. And a lot of it was, you know, the brainstorming, the strategy, uh, the systems, the process, things like that. And so that's when I really then started to drill down into specific, you know, strategy solutions that I could provide for small businesses. That's fantastic. So what types of small businesses do you work with? I work with female centered small businesses. So if they're run by females, they will be a client that I would work for. Um, The ones that tend to cater towards me would be creative female entrepreneurs because naturally they have tons of ideas, less organization behind all those ideas, right? So they're a great fit for me because I can blow their mind with like a few small tweaks. Um, Now we always give more than just a few small tweaks, but you know, as a service provider, when you want to really blow someone's mind, it's easy to do that with uh, anyone in the creative space. So marketers, graphic designers, copywriters, right? Anything that, that has more of that creative mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I love how you're, you're saying you keep doing your strengths and let me, let me bolster you up in the areas that you can, so that you can continue to shine Absolutely. In, in that area. That's wonderful. Absolutely. And usually the creatives also have tons of ideas. So the strategy part that can be really strong is they want to write a book and launch a course and launch a podcast and start a Facebook group and go on YouTube and do Pinterest. And I'm like, whoa, 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 wait, let's do, let's figure out a strategy here, right? Let's prioritize. Let's set some goals. They're like, oh yeah, priorities. I guess that's, that's a good thing. So that part works kind of as a twofold, right? If you maybe have, have been in business for a while, you might have some decent systems in place, but you still may struggle to grow and scale the business. That's awesome. Well, and I'm sure your financial background is like a, the, the hidden bonus 
I rarely bring it up in any sort of marketing until, right, if it comes up maybe on a call and then I say I have 10 years in finance, like, oh, so you can also make sure that I'm not like flailing here. Yes. (laughs) Oh, that's fantastic. So what's, what's the goal with this thing? Like, are you, um, are you a kind of a specialized, everyone gets an individual plan type thing? Are you wanting to scale, scale this? Like what, where, where are we going with this? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. I do think one on, so I work one-on-one with all of my clients. I do think the one-on-one space is a unique space because so many entrepreneurs want to scale to a course, a membership, something where they don't have to work or they feel like they don't have to work. Um, I actually still believe you can scale the one-on-one space. You just need to find different clients. So if that means down the road in two, five, 10 years, I'm working with you one-on-one, but it's a hundred grand, right? Or like something crazy that I'm working with some sort of clientele that to work with me one-on-one is such a high price. Um, You can still build a million dollar business in a one-on-one space world. And I think um, some people just cut themselves short. They think, well, that's never going to be possible. You can't scale that sort of business. I believe you can. You just have to continue to, right? Build the value and the expertise behind it. Yeah. And, and once you have the, the, people that have already had success with you as well. I mean, that goes, that goes a long way. Exactly. You got it. I'm your cheerleader. You got this. <laughs> I love it. Thank you. So, um, you, you mentioned that as you started working as an entrepreneur, that you were first helping with freelance type stuff and you had these moments of brilliance with these clients where you realize that you had an edge with the strategy. Yes. Do you have a specific moment where like you were in, you were in a meeting with a client and you just threw something out there on a whim and they were like, wait, what, what, what did you just say? <laughs> Would you share that experience that really was like, wow, this is where I actually need to be spending my time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I, with my first client, actually, when I started, she had a COO, basically. She had a chief of operations and I was her first more um, operational admin person. And from basically day one, my goal was to overtake that COO, right? Like that, I mean, I'm an entrepreneur. Like I can do better. I can provide more value. So that was my goal from day one. And now I had to tread lightly. You can't just hop into a new business as a new employee or a new freelancer and just feel like you run the show. But the, this particular coach, she was a coach and she was wanting to launch an online course with video. And so we had scheduled her a videographer and she had a copywriter writing some of the scripts and all this stuff. We spent tons of money getting her prepared and she just felt like she totally flopped. She felt like she was terrible in front of video. She was super awkward and unnatural. And in summary, after a meeting or two and, and kind of trying to figure out what we're going to do, that was when I brought up the idea, well, you're really great on, on audio and she loves to do podcasts. She thrives off of that. She gets tons of business from people on her that she's just guests for podcasts. And so that was my idea that I brought to the team. I'd been on the team for a couple months at this point was why don't we do a product that's a written and an audio, because those are two of your strong, you know, your strong suites, strong suits, excuse me. And, and that was really the like 
oh, why didn't we think of that? You know, and it was, why do a course when everyone's doing a course, right? And then the other idea I had brought to that was, this is a newer concept, but newer meaning I would say like 2019 newer, where people are pre-selling some sort of a product and then building it out, right? So you may launch a course, but you might not actually completely build that course out. You might pre-sell it to make sure that you're gonna have people that buy it. Like, why would you go spend all this money? So that was kind of on the back end. What I eventually shared with the team was, you spent all this money on something that you didn't even know you were gonna be good at, and now we don't have any buyers because we've stopped production, but we already paid, you know, three grand for the photographer, three grand for the copywriter, that sort of thing. So that was where really the, the turning point changed. And I really took on the lead of that project because of that change of, of direction, adding in kind of some nuggets of some things that I saw. And, and then I was able to run with that project, you know, the rest of the time, which was great. That's, that's an amazing experience. I love that. So uh, that, and I love how you're like, okay, let's figure out how it's basically like the minimum viable products approach, right? Like how do we, how do we get something out to prove the concept use your gifts to do it? And, you know, we can spend the big money when we need to, but in the meantime, let's, let's get things rolling. Yes. Awesome. I love it. So as you have started to develop this, um, this strategy base, what have been some roadblocks that have, that have gotten in your way that maybe you're having you be like, oh, maybe I should bail or go back to corporate or yeah. Yeah. do something different or? Well, I would say, now it depends on what sort of role you have as a freelancer. Um, when I was starting out, I could land a retaining paying client, meaning every month they're paying me the same amount of money. And so by the time I could actually quit my corporate career, I had a great amount of retainer clients with predictable income coming in. Now, when I have changed to working one-on-one -on -one as a strategist, there is much less of that predictable income. Now, I also have a greater ability to close higher points of income, but less predictability. So there are absolutely moments where I feel like if you don't have your mindset, proper, there's no way you will be able to manage it because of those swings in income, depending on what you're doing. Um, and so I think that's been the biggest part is, you know, I, I have a pretty good handle on, you know, who I am, how I serve clients, what it is that I offer. And I, I feel confident behind that. So I know that that keeps me afloat, but there are plenty of people, I mean, even clients that I've worked with that that don't have that right and they ask well how do you how do you do that how do you do this um and it's it's all in, it's all between your ears so i tell people it's just the, the fact that i can wake up and say i can do it again even if somebody said no or or whatever yeah so is there any um any tactics or strategies that you use personally to to keep the space in between your ears clear Great question. Um, I mean, I do some of just the regu regular, like run of the mill self-care stuff, you know, the common buzzwords like um, gratitude in the mornings, working out, um, leaving some time for myself to just be in my own space, right? Like all those things work. And if though, if you're not doing any of those, you should start. But I think really the biggest thing for me was when I learned that 
the online space is growing so quickly and there's not going to be just one strategist that's going to serve all of these now online entrepreneurs. So the example I always like to give, and this is not to, to bash any of the big online names out there, but I like to give the example of Rachel Hollis and Jenna Kutcher. I'm in a Rachel Hollis camp, meaning I follow her, I love her content, I've bought her book, or I've bought her books, right? Like I've, I'm breathing that space, but there are people that don't feel the same way. And then I will bring up Jenna Kutcher. Like I don't, I'm not as much of an Instagram person. Her content doesn't speak to me as much. I'm not a big follower of Jenna Kutcher. Now, again, nothing against either woman. They both do fantastic work. But my point is that they're going to draw a different audience. So when I learned that for myself, that really changed the way that I could just show up continuously every day, knowing that there are going to be people that like the Amanda camp and there's going to be people that are like, no, thanks. I don't really want to work with her. And then just being okay with that. Yeah. Well, and honestly, you want that, right? Because if people don't feel an affinity towards you, then it's not going to be beneficial for, for either party. Right. So I love that. I, I have, a, I had a coach one time that that's told me, um, your, your tribe is waiting for you. Yes. And I, and I think about that a lot because yep. you know, sometimes it's easy to get overwhelmed with the big names out there. Absolutely. So that's fantastic. So, yeah. um, as, as you have, um, gotten into this strategy space with these female entrepreneurs, what, what is, what is a tactic that's made the biggest difference for them? That I'm teaching them. You mean like, what is a tactic that I'm teaching them? That's made a difference. Is that what you're asking? Yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, honestly, the one constant has been about pricing. So I think this is where some of my confidence comes in, but also where my corporate experience comes in. One of the, one of the first lives that I did, I created my own Facebook group to start to, you know, cultivate my audience and that sort of thing. And one of the first live streams that I talked about was that I asked for a raise or an increase in pay with every job that I had. And people were like, what? Like, that's not normal. And I never thought it wasn't normal. I thought everybody did that. And so when all these people were telling me like, that's crazy. How do you do that? You know, whatever, all these different like stories that were coming out of it. That then has been basically a baseline of things that I always talk about when people want to scale from 5k months to 10k months, I'm like, well, what's your bottom line? You know, a good example I have is, is with a bookkeeper. She was charging a hundred dollars a month for bookkeeping services. Like, okay, well the next quarter is coming up. You can just message all of your clients, let them know at the start of fourth quarter, your pricing is now $250 a piece. If they don't want to work with you, see you later. Um, no problem. And, it, and now she didn't do that with all, but she did that with the majority. So literally overnight, she could increase her bottom line by 40% because she had someone push her to say, no, your rates are way too low. Right now, you didn't do that with every single client or, you know, I guess I haven't heard if she lost one in the mix, but chances are probably not as a bookkeeper, they, they've already been working with you for months or years. Um, so that's always a great example I love to give, but it can work in really any industry, whatever your bottom line is, whatever you're charging at the low end, you're probably low unless 
you've been coached well, but chances are your prices are probably too low. And that's one of the fastest things that you can do to increase your income is to, you have clients already just increase what it is that they're paying you. Or if, you know, like myself, if I'm a one and done kind of service provider, um, for the longest time, I just kept increasing the rate. And if people kept saying yes, then I just kept increasing and kept increasing until the close ratio starts to fall off then you might feel like, okay, maybe this is the sweet spot or maybe, maybe that one was too high. Let's step back a little bit. But if people are saying yes, then you should keep raising that price. That's my, my view. Amen. I love that so much. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and I, I've found as I've worked with people as well, that oftentimes um, the, we as the service provider determine what the other person is willing to pay. Yes. And that is so often skewed to what is, what is the reality. Yes. Yeah. I had a couple of prospects that I guess weren't even real prospects. They were people that I knew potentially would have worked for me, but I didn't cultivate the relationship as much because I felt that financially they were never going to be able to, to make the commitment. And then when I saw them join a high end mastermind, like my soul was crushed. I was like, dang it. I totally, totally read that wrong. But what I learned is that you can't read it at all. And, and from now, just all the training that I've done myself is that if people want to work with you, they will absolutely find a way. They'll put it on three credit cards. They'll ask their mom or their dad or an aunt and an uncle. Like they will find the money to pay for whatever is in front of them most of the time. Oh, that is like some serious mic drop gems right there. Like if they want to work with you, they'll find a way to pay. Absolutely. I believe it a hundred percent. We're going to turn a, turn that into a meme and put yes. your name real big at the bottom. Nice. I love it. I love it. So, um, in our email communication with each other, you also, you talked about how you have, uh, critical foundations and, and we mentioned it in your introduction as well. Do you have like a framework that you work through with people like to make sure that they have certain foundations in place? And if so, like, what, what does that, what does that look like? What do you feel are the most important foundations for businesses? Yeah, absolutely. Um, one thing that I always like to make sure is in place. It's not something I like to spend time on in an actual coaching call but it's almost like, let's check the box and move on. Um, three things, a mission, a vision, and goals. So it's in the template that I'm sending my clients and we'll review it, right? They can send it to me offline for me to at least place some eyeballs on it. But I do think that, sure, maybe you wanna start your business and you just wanna get rolling, but at some point your business will need a mission, vision, and goals. Why? Because if you ever want to scale your business and you want to bring someone onto your team, that is when those things are most important. Um, the other piece too, is if you don't have goals in front of you, uh, how do you know, how do you measure success? How do you know where you're going? What are you aiming for? Um, so the, the second part of this is the goal planning. That's pretty much what I do from day one. And we are reviewing those goals call to call to call to make sure that we're actually taking the proper action to get us to those goals. So on my first call with clients, I want them to set realistic, but yet a little bit of a stretch goal of what they feel like they could accomplish in six weeks. A lot of times I'm working with my clients for six weeks and um, 
And I want to help them tackle every single one of those goals, or if not all, then get them close or on the right, you know, roadmap to achieve those goals. Um, so that's like a big step that's really like a basic foundation. Um, the goal plan is one that stays throughout it all. It's definitely the biggest tactic that I use in my own business um, on a daily basis. I'm reviewing my goals. What are my goals for the day, for the week, for the month, for the quarter, for the year? Um, I think it's really important. And then as far as once I'm actually diving into a client, we want to look at things like okay, well, I have this client, but I want to get another client. Okay, what does it take for you to get a client, right? If they, have, if they don't know, then how do they know what actions they need to take in order to land another client? So we want to solidify that process. Again, the biggest part why you want to add in processes is to your, into your business is because if you want to ever bring someone on to help out with that piece, you have to have a process in place so someone can then take it over. Right. So if your process is, well, I have this Facebook group and I post, every, you know, twice a day in the Facebook group and I'm engaging in there and I, you know, invite people to book a call with me and then I have the call and I send them this or whatever, whatever all your steps are. Well, very easily someone could take over my prospecting part of my business. Right. Because they would know exactly the things that I that I go through to land a new client. Um, mm. So that's, I mean, there's several, but that's a really good area of where we start. And I, I basically do that same process with different parts of the business. So, you know, what are we doing for your calendaring? What are we doing for your client management? What do we do for your onboarding? Uh, we just start breaking apart the business as we're reaching for those goals, right? So there's still kind of twofold. Wow. So it, to me, it sounds like you help them uh, create an immense amount of clarity by pulling out what are those goals and then how are we actually going to, like, what's the roadmap to, to get there? Absolutely. Yep. And then just the bonus is that because I want you to be efficient, that's just, again, where I kind of like pull it into the overall strategy, right? So I want to make sure that you can be crystal clear on what you're doing and where you're headed, but I don't want you to be the messy action person. Like I see that title across people's platforms of like, I take messy action. I'm like, oh, but, but, but why? <laughs> yeah. And I mean, to not bash on it, I don't, I always encourage people like, don't stop, keep moving. So if you need to finish your website and your website's crappy, sure. I don't know if it's messy. I guess you could call it messy or imperfect action, but you know, at some point you can come back and fix it. But as far as your process, that's where I want you to be not so messy so that you're not so overwhelmed. Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. And sometimes it, it's, it's difficult because you get, you get in your own head about just getting things done. And yeah. when, when it's not documented, you almost forget like, well, what actually do I do? And then, so you were talking about um, the process that you take clients through. And in our email, you mentioned that um, you had one of your onboarding documents that you were actually willing to, to give listeners. Is that correct? Yes. So what I have out right now is a, it changes from time to time. So that's why I say right now. Uh, so get, on, <laughs> get, get in while it's world. Out. <laughs> yeah. Get in my world and there'll be lots of different treats that come out. But right now it is the onboarding intake questionnaire. So basically if you were to onboard a new client, chances are there's always some information that you actually need from that client. Um, I've created that template for you. You can brand it yourself, edit it yourself, but it's at least branded towards me so that you could see where are the areas that you should brand it for yourself. 
So that uh, you can grab in the notes. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your generosity in, in sharing that with us. Absolutely. So, and you also uh, can, can follow Amanda in her Facebook group. Do you want to tell us what the name of your Facebook group is and a little bit about the conversation that you're having in there? And then we're going to put the link to that in the notes as well. Perfect. Perfect. Yes. You can find um, my Facebook group. It's the Lux way. So that's my business, the Lux way. It, it'll probably pop up with just that, but it does have a dash from overwhelmed to organized. So that's to basically poke holes at those people that are feeling super overwhelmed, but then inviting them into a place where they can eventually feel a little bit more organized. Um, I do uh, live trainings throughout. Just yesterday, it was a live training on how to add in Zoom to your Google Calendar so that it automatically populates a Zoom link. So there's simple things like that. And then there's also, I mean, I might go into full on depth of like kind of what we talked about earlier, maybe the mindset piece, or maybe I'll share a client win and kind of how we got through that. Um, so, I mean, a lot of just real life stuff that goes on in the business, but I always try to provide, you know, tactical things that you can actually implement in your business right away to help you be a little bit more efficient. That's awesome. Awesome. Great. Well, thanks so much. I'm, I myself, I'm going to go and I'm going to join, join your group and, and get those you. tips for myself. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. So as, so as we wrap up this interview, I always love to talk about um, what, what is the transformation that has come for you as you've been through this journey? Like, obviously you've, you've had some financial success and you're helping, helping clients grow, which is fantastic. And if you want to speak to that, then that's great. But there's always, especially with entrepreneurs, this underlying transformation that happens. So talk to us about the transformation that's occurred as you've left corporate, the, the corporate world and figured out your way and your mark in the entrepreneurial online space. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a beautiful question. Uh, for me, I mean, I know it exactly. There, there's two things that have really occurred. One is the impact I can have just on myself. What I mean by that is I have read so many books, listened to so many podcasts, like done all these things for my own self-improvement that I was not doing before. And so that has been the biggest transformation for me. Little things like people ask me, how do you not care what other people think? And I don't necessarily have a great answer other than I've, I'm on the other side of the mountain, right? Like I would say I wasn't always in a place where I didn't care what other people think but my entrepreneurial journey has absolutely taken me on the other side of that mountain. I can't care what other people think because if I do, I'm not going to be able to succeed, right? I'm not going to be able to quit my job and tell people I'm working and working from home, working for myself. I had all sorts of things people were saying to me, right? When I actually quit my job. And so that was the biggest thing just personally. And then the other part that's been really powerful for me is the impact I've had on other people, not clients, but just other humans in the world. So close friends that want to step away from their own corporate or professional space. Um, my own husband wanting to read more books or dive into some creative ideas he has for a business or like, right? Like just this, this slow transition of like things that I'm just doing without even thinking have an impact on others around me, which I think is just so beautiful. Mm, I love that. Yeah. The, in the indirect influence sometimes are the ones that, that mean the most. And, and the best part is that you, they're also the ones you don't 
you don't see right away. Like you don't know the transformation is happening until you can kind of in retrospect, look back and think, wow, that's absolutely because of me, you know, and that's pretty cool. I love that. Hey, well, Amanda, you are definitely making a dent in the universe. It has been a pleasure, a pleasure listening to your story. And I just have ultimate respect for any woman that's an entrepreneur, but also any woman who's a mother who's an entrepreneur. So thank you so much for having the courage to go out and do that and take care of your family as well. I just, I admire that so much. Thank you. I really appreciate that. It's been, it's been fun. It's a journey, but it's been fun. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yep. All right. So thanks so much. And uh, we'll see you on the flip side. Thank you for tuning into the Marketing Matrix podcast. On the next episode, we hear from Kristen Molinar. This powerhouse entrepreneur has created an incredible business with a unique approach to outsourcing work to help solopreneurs. This woman is absolutely on fire. You've got to listen to her episode. But while I've got you, I wanted to tell you about the Marketing Matrix Toolbox. We have created this just for you. It's a toolbox where we have free marketing tools that we've gathered from all the guests since the start of this show. For you to get free access, register at toolbox.themarketingmatrixpodcast.com. Can't wait to see you in the toolbox. And of course, see you next time on The Marketing Matrix.